Oh, hey there. Welcome to Steer Queer. It's so goddamn hot and humid. I am exhausted all the time. Um, I have to show you guys something though. This because I had yesterday off because it was because the holiday fell on a Saturday. I got to choose a day off, so I chose Monday Woo! so I could have a three day weekend. And look what I did on my day off. I got a book, Becoming by Woo! Michelle Obama. And girl, girl, it gets better. Hold on. So I saw that I was looking for this book and I realized I was like, wait a minute, why is this book like have a security clip on it, you know? <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And I realized because this particular book has the wet signature of our first lady. <gasps> oh. It was actually signed. And I was like, this has to be, this has to be like a reprint. This can't be real. So then I, well, I had to purchase it. I couldn't be like, can you open this up so I can look at it? (laughs) So I bought it. And sure enough, if you look, I don't know if you can see this. You can see that the signature is on the back page. So it's a wet signature. Oh my goodness. So she she doesn't sign that y'all. And I am so excited. I was like, I have to take my money, just take it. (laughs) I was like, I have to have this. This even comes with a, um, comes with a photo of her, which is a bit much, but I was like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting the full package fantasy. I know, I'm like, look at, like, look at this. Look at this photo I got. (laughs) (laughs) I love you forever, Cody. And then it says, so then it came with these two prints. Becoming is never giving up on the idea that there's more growing to be done. And also your story is what you have, what you will always have. It is something you own. So what I want to do, what I thought of doing, let's see, can I, ro- can I rotate this? I can. Um, thought of like, what if I got frames and put them like this in like a hallway or something? <laughs> oh my God, you have That would be, so... you know what I mean? So like you have this and then they'd have like the classic, like thick black frame with the white in the background. And like, you're just like walking down the hall. Like you have the guests over, they're going down the hall to the bathroom and then they turn and look and they're like, huh. <laughs> so because I was like when I opened it I'm like okay well this is a bit much but thank you <laughs> and then I realized oh that's what I'll do with it because what else are you gonna do with it and then it has a little little dedication card on there like I'm like wow I just got everything with I just wanted a book and now I got everything so um but that was the highlight of my day yesterday um yes that's beautiful um, I love not, that about you it's not really that big a deal yeah um i know right <laughs> bringing people together until no. i come around to fuck it up <laughs> i got my oh. snarky comment ready to go then in the queue <laughs> like have okay have you seen i know it's not media but it's a barbie doll and it's karen <laughs> and she's a white lady calling the police <laughs> what <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, oh my god. Karen. Can I can I ask for that for Christmas, please? Yeah. <laughs> when I was a bartender server and we like you'd have this this Karen basically go, um, can I have the mac and cheese, please? Yeah, sure. Like you go make the mac and cheese. Comes back, oh, is that gluten free? It's pasta. What do you think? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Did it or say it was gluten free? Like, yeah. Did you do you know? Do you know what gluten is? Can you read? <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Or are you? Did you just read like Gwyneth Paltrow's new blog? Like, what's what's up? You know? Oh, like, goop. Or, goop. Karen, would you like to start the podcast? <laughs> I still love the I mean, ASMR. What, what's, this? what's going on here? What's happening? <laughs> the ASMR of the Razapam. <laughs> Shaking her pill bottle. Oh, God. <laughs> <Razzabam>. <laughs> mm. 
Oh dear. Um, it's not COVID. <coughs> <laughs> oh, Trazolam. <laughs> Diazolam. That's Valium. Look at us. <laughs> Brio Ellipta. <laughs> That's my inhaler. <laughs> Look at you, fancy. You ready for it? Ready for it? Heroin. <laughs> well, welcome to Steer Queer, everybody. I am Kyle. Hi. Hi. Hi, Hi Kyle. And that's I'm the end. Awesome. That's everything. <laughs> and all I have to say is James Cameron, you son of a bitch. There was plenty of room in that boat for both Jack and Rose. And you know it. You know, that haunts me to this day. <laughs> poor, poor Jack. He had so many good years, love. I know. I'm and so what did Rose do that. with hers? Just be a rich white lady. Hey, hey. <laughs> she flew a plane. She <laughs> she became an old lady and decided to throw that diamond. She could have pawned that shit. You know, like, <laughs> Rose, what's your problem? I just, I'm not that, a fan of people throwing money away. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate, that is the ultimate sign of I don't care <laughs> yeah right? the ultimate sign of white privilege is throwing your blue diamond off a boat she could have donated that money to the okra project which by the way so can you <laughs> link in the description below yeah oh my god I completely I spaced and I was like quick go for some okra <laughs> That's it's nice to know I'm you're listening bringing... to me when I talk <laughs> it's bringing oh, yeah. trans women of color okra. Okay, that's not what it is, but it's a good organization to support trans people of color. Okay, yeah, I like is. I like that a lot better than just like supporting the the growth of okra. I like I like that a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me say this though: in Rose's defense, I mean, didn't her <laughs> didn't Billy Zane give her? the blue diamond so could you could you argue that she's just like huh, i'm letting, letting this go because i don't i don't know why didn't she sell it or turn it into a fabulous ring <laughs> or literally anything else but maybe she wanted it to go to the grave of all those people i don't know i'm not sure why are know. we analyzing rose she's the least <laughs> The least the, like analyzable character in that movie. <laughs> the topic of this episode is the Titanic and its many dimensions. <laughs> All three and a half hours of it. I think the most uncomfortable part of that movie is when the boat actually comes, the lifeboat comes, and, and we all know Jack is dead. And she's like, there's a boat, Jack. Jack, there's a boat, get off. And I'm like, honey, he's dead. Just, I'm already <laughs> grieving. Just let him go because I had a hard enough time with this. He's my love. I know. He's a pulseless <laughs> non-breather. Leave him behind. <laughs> and she'll never let go. But it's only a metaphor. So let go of her fucking hand, you frozen corpse. I know when she has to pry him off. <laughs> <laughs> literally, though. She literally has to. <laughs> She's crying. She's like, I'll never let go, Jack. Son of a bitch. And then you let go. Off of me. <laughs> oh my god i'll never let go okay you're dead weight now move on yeah, yeah. oh you're gonna think i'm bald so there oh was uh another kid that went to the babysitter that i went to growing up and he was also a non-out gay kid um at the time but he brought <clears throat> slim fast shakes with him to our babysitters at the age of like 12 and also um, was obsessed with the Titanic and had gone to see it in theaters more than once. And we watched it at the babysitter's house and it just makes me, it, it's one of those movies where I'm like, like that really like brought a lot of people, a lot of people were really into that movie, like obsessed with that movie. And it does, it I mean, it's not like, Three or four times, I think she said. Yeah, which it was, was funny because growing time. up, I was never allowed to watch it. Oh. Probably because she saw it. So I wasn't allowed to watch it. I didn't watch it until um, I want to say I was in middle school. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I never could. And that's the thing is that was like a, a constant 
theme of my growing up was I never got the the why. It was just like because like we're not doing this. Okay, but why? So it, it registered in my brain. I wanted to watch it even more because what is this thing that everybody's watching and, and you know everybody's talking about it? Well anyway, um I surmised that there were boobies. And um so eventually like I had said in another episode, we got to the draw me like one of your French girls part. And she's like doing that mom thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been enjoying the view of Jack the entire time. So you leave, you, you leave that hand up. I ain't missing anything. So Cody, <laughs> was, your, this whole time. was your sexual awakening um, Leonardo DiCaprio? Um, no, my... Uh, that's too private. Let's no, I was gonna say, we don't we don't have to go there if you don't want to. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of speaking of moving on, it's time to have a drink. Um, and so in honor of our lady of Italy, I am having the classic Italian Negroni out of my Sofia Petrillo shot glass. That is for those of you that don't know, equal parts gin, campari, and sweet vermouth with a little bit of an orange twist. So What's everybody else drinking? Austin. We are drinking old coffee with no soy milk out of our House on the Rock mug. Oh, it's our favorite mug, the House on the Rock mug. You're and switching it up, Austin. I'm drinking filtered tap water out of a straw <laughs> with a lot of lipstick on it. Mm-hmm. Cheers. I mean. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. <laughs> Cheers, queers. <laughs> that, that just, I had to, I had to laugh at that because that sounded like something that Zoe Deschanel would say. <laughs> and I'm drinking a tap, like, what was it? Filtered water? Filtered tap water. Tap water. Filtered tap and water. And I'm drinking filtered tap water with a stainless steel straw with makeup on it. Oh, I know. Hi. I was aware of how it sounded while I was saying it. I was there with you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, if you haven't guessed, today we're here to talk about media. But not really just media. We're, we're, we're here to talk about some of the things that we watched and cherished and loved while we were growing up at different points of growing up that kind of shaped who we are today. And some of those things we still love, but I think some of those things we're coming to find out that while we can still love them for what they were, we sometimes have to take some of it with a grain of salt and look at it with a more critical eye, you know, under the lens of 2020, um, which is both vision and also the year that we are currently in. Yeah, I... I agree. I think uh, when we're talking about tonight, I'm obviously thinking about just a lot of the stuff I watched when I first came out because um, it was really important to me to consume as much queer stuff as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because I came out my uh, I came out to my close friends the summer before my senior year of high school, and then my senior year of high school, I was out of the closet. And um, and so then kind of when I went away to college was like the first time I was able to consume anything I wanted, no matter what it was, you know? Um, so, but yeah, like you said, though, you know, looking back on it, one thing I notice is it's largely media for white people. Um, mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of people of color in a lot of the media I consumed. And... Uh, being from Eau Claire, that didn't seem strange. And that's the whole point, right? Is that we need more queer people of color and we need more of their stories shared because, um, you you know, because otherwise it is, uh, I think people think the uh, queer experience is white and that's just not true. You know, Stonewall was started by trans women of color and the queer movement is always propelled by queer people of color. So it's just important we highlight their stories. But when I first came out, I just consumed what was available. And that was largely a lot of white media. Absolutely. I mean, we watched a lot of the same things and it's, it's true that, you know, watching it now and, and not even, not even just that it's, it's, uh, 
it's told through a white lens, but it's also typically told through a white cis male lens in a lot of ways, or a very cisgendered way. Like Will and Grace is awesome. I love watching it. I love going back and watching it, but it's largely transphobic a lot of the times. It's very focused on Will and Jack's perspective of the queer experience. In fact, the only couple of times they have lesbians on, they're the butt of jokes or they're very stereotypical. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like you, you can't not notice those things once you start noticing them. So it, it's, it's something we can learn from. It's something we can't change. Those things existed. And, you know, we're, we, as, as we go forward, we start to learn more about them, but it is, it is interesting to, to, kind of open up your horizons and see some of the uh, some of the things that you were missing out on at the time. Yeah. Well, and Grace for me was that I think my first, well, it was actually my second introduction to homosexuality. My first was actually when I was three or four and I watched Mrs. Doubtfire. And I had never seen a gay couple before. So I didn't know what, what I didn't really notice. I didn't really notice. I just thought, oh, I like them. But I, I just, it's one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite, I won't say films, but one of my favorite movies. Um, and I never thought of, I guess I really didn't know what that was. I just, I liked who they were and I liked their relationship. They seemed to have, mm -hmm. uh, somebody once told me like, I was, I, I had talked about this topic, like what we're gonna, what influenced us or, and we had, originally, excuse me, initially, originally we, our, our focus was going to be like, um, damn, that's strong. Um, originally. <laughs> Negroni's hitting already. Focus, yeah. When we were talking about kind of, um, how we were going to approach this, we had one of our original ideas was, um, what, what did you um, consume when you came out? And so, but for me, I never really had anything to, that I really leaned on or relied on, but I can remember things that, cause I wasn't really exposed to anything. So once I had come out, it was kind of, I don't wanna say too late, but I, I was just like, well, you know, I'm moving forward in my life. Uh, but I, I, was, so I was talking to my friend about this topic and I had mentioned, well, I guess my earliest memory of, of like homosexuality, like being introduced to homosexuals was Mrs. Doubtfire. And he had made a comment kind of, not in a rude way, but he was like, oh, well, that's, that's such a stereotype and they were portrayed in such a negative way. And I thought, well, okay, I hear you, but think about this. And I'm not going to get into like, let's analyze Mrs. Doubtfire because let's be fair, I do love to do that, but that's not what this podcast is about. But I will just take a minute to say, if you really, if you really look at that relationship that Robin Williams and his family have with those characters who, if you haven't seen the movie, Harvey Firestein is his brother, and then he has uh, a marriage to a man named Jack. So it's Frank and Jack and... Um, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad because I've never even thought about Mrs. Doubtfire. And you're right. Like that was, they had gay characters. That was, that's Right, true. and not only that, not only that, but the point I, I made to my friend was never in the film were they the butt of a joke or were they looked at as, um, I want to say, um, like something to be ashamed of. And it's very subtle. And that's what I liked about it is because they really didn't make a big deal of it. I think the only time you ever really thought, I mean, yes, you, you look at it and it's 1993. So it does fall on a lot of stereotypes. Like, yes, they're very flaming. They're kind of bitchy. They're overdramatic. They're very feminine. Um, you know, I, I get but that. Those but, are, yeah, but those also aren't bad things. I think, right. I think to avoid that, that too would also be wrong. Exactly, because if, if we avoid that, we are not recognizing people that there are people who are like that. So if we if we ignore that and say, no, that's we don't want that type of recognition. Well, we're, we're essentially saying this this group, no matter how big or large, large or small it is, uh, we're saying that they're wrong. OK, so anyway, my whole point was and I'll, I'll be finished after this. But um, if you look at the interactions, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I, I friggin' love this movie, but there's, there's, it's very subtle, like, in the end of, in the third act, and the kids realize that um, Robin Williams is actually Mrs. Doubtfire, and they freak out, and then they say, well, who did this to you? And he just casually says, Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack, and their reaction is so subtle, but they just go, 
Oh. So right there, you realize they know who these people are. They are, they're not like, like, it's not a bad, like they have a relationship with them. And it's just like, okay. And then at the end of the movie, Mrs. Doubtfire has like her, her TV show and it's a big hit. And she even has Frank on as a guest for children. So they're going to introduce a homosexual person to children to talk about the art of makeup. So in my opinion, it's like, yeah, that's great because they didn't write it in a way that they, they could have taken that movie, that whole, the joke of, oh, it's a straight man has to become a woman. How's this going to work out? You know, or like, oh, we've got these gay characters. Let's make it about that. And they really don't do that. They, they keep it to the, the core of the movie, which is about families come in all different shapes and sizes. And the only thing that matters is love. Okay. So um, where was I going with that? Oh, well, the, the big thing was like, okay, I, I, it made me think then about stereotyping because I think a lot about that and we like we don't want to and i and i absolutely agree we do not want to keep um that level of generalization stereotypes you know it's 2020 let's move forward and i think what i love seeing is that there are there's there's a trend and i hope it just becomes the norm of other voices being heard it's not just filtered through that hetero white lens but when we if if i think when we go towards well that's just a stereotype Oh, I wish they wouldn't portray them that way. Like, I don't, like the butch lesbian, for example. Because um, I know that there's like jokes like that on Will and Grace, for sure. Um, but I also have met people who are lesbians who are just very butch and who are just gruff and uh, having a beer and, you know, like that. So it's very gray. And I ask myself then, okay, well, are, are we, if, if we don't, if we don't like seeing that, are we telling those people who are like that, that they shouldn't be who they are because we don't like how they're being portrayed? And it gets into a whole, like you could, we could talk about this for hours, but I think my point is, um, I, I tried to think really about, cause we talked about this on episode one, like, um, you know, sometimes representation, some representation, at least it's representation. And I thought of it from a perspective of, okay, you have an individual who is closed-minded or they weren't blessed with or granted the opportunities of seeing people who are different. Um, media is really the, all they get. And when something that is like, when you have a film, you have a good two hours, you can really flesh things out. You can tell a whole story. When you have like something like Will and Grace or even an HBO TV series, you have 30 minutes to an hour to get a point across. Okay, so you, you really have to fast track it. But um, what, I, what I think, it's problematic, but what I also think if we wanted to put it like a silver lining, it at least gives people, it gives them a sense of familiarity and comfort. And it may be a stereotype, but what it allows them to do is, and then if say they meet, say they meet me, I'm a gay person. And I've experienced this where I've met hetero people or just other people and I'm the butt of their joke. I'm the gay person, I'm horny, I'm bitchy, I'm effeminate, yada, 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 yada. And I, I, my way of approaching that is to make the joke before they do. You know, I'm going to use that. I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut them off on the past so that they are like, oh, it catches them off guard. But what I think it does is it also makes me human. And then it allows it to open up to, then they realize Cody is actually, <laughs> I hate to say this, but like Cody's an actual person who has his own thoughts, beliefs, opinions, who's got his own identity. So I, I don't like typecasting, tokenism, stereotyping, but I try to look like, well, can we turn it around to say, well, at least it keeps people's minds open, or at least it, it introduces them to something. It's like grade school. And then eventually they can move on to middle school, high school, university, master's programs. You know, their, their level of thinking grows. And so it's, it's I, I look at like Will and Grace was the first TV show I ever saw. Uh, where it was like the central characters were gay. And I remember thinking, because I grew up very religious, I had to watch it when nobody was home. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is, this is something. This is like groundbreaking stuff. Um, and yeah, I, can, I absolutely agree. You, as, it, as it's aged, you see a lot of problems with it. Um, but just think of how, how fantastic that was at the time. Like you had, like there's that one episode where um, Jack and, and Will are standing outside of Good Morning America and they do like the first kiss and it's like considered the first gay kiss on television. I mean, they really, they made a lot of, um, they made a lot of strong moments that we'll never forget. So I guess I, I, I ask myself from time to time, is it, 
um, it's, is it doing, is the stereotyping, I, it causes some damage, but can we find some good in it? And I do think sometimes we can. I don't think it's right. I'd like to get, I'd like to see us get to a place where we don't have to rely on that. But I think if we can at least, we can kind of use it as a bit of a tool and then we can go from there to get to the main point. Because I, I just think some people just, they're never going to be where we need them to be. We kind of have to hold their hand, which is not fun. And I've been the butt of jokes for many years. And I learned I have to take it on the chin and move forward. And what I've learned by doing that and give, being patient is I've been able to show people that I'm more than just what they stereotyped me to be. And I've opened their minds up to something better where they realize, oh, you're not just like Jack. Oh, you're not just like, you know, we're not all the same. We're very different. And they realize that my identity is not that I'm gay, it's that I'm Cody. And being gay is just a part of me. Just like being an artist is a part of me. Just like making cocktails is a part of me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know where any of that came from. And I hope it was helpful. I so <laughs> I'm okay. I, I I need to interject because there are so many good things that you just said there, and so much to unpack. And we we literally could not do it in this entire podcast. But what I want to say is number one, I really appreciate what do I, what what you're saying about the things that that came before. How can we utilize them because they already exist, right? They already exist. They're out in the world. People are seeing them. They still have the opportunity to see them. How can we spin those things in a way? That are, that are still useful, you know? Like, like you said, it's like queer, queer uh, cinema slash queer media 101. You introduce them to something, to, to something they can handle. What I would caution, and I don't think this is what you're saying, I just wanna caution moving that direction is what I, what I think we need to also remember is that representation, we, we said this on the first episode and I kind of wanted to bring it back up because I've had some time to think about it and I, I just recently, uh, I just re recently watched Disclosure, which is a mm. documentary about trans visibility yeah. and representation. And it, and, uh, and it focuses a lot on the connection between trans visibility and film specifically. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And so what I want to say is that authentic representation is so much more important to be fighting for right now. And mm -hmm. because inauthentic and tokenized and also sometimes stereotyped in the <laughs> wrong direction types of uh, identifiers being put on certain communities actually causes damage, not just to the image with the greater society, but also makes those people feel like that's who they are. Like they're being told that. Most trans individuals in movies from the 70s and 80s were either a deceptive murderer or yep. they were the one who was murdered. It's, it's, it's not a whole lot of in between, or they were left at the end, or they were some tragedy. And so I, I completely agree with you. There's, there's so many things that have existed already in the world that we can't, do, we, we can't change those things. And, mm -hmm. and we, we grew up with a lot of them and we love them for the reasons because they, they, we were able to identify with some part of it, you know, in some way, shape or form. But media is, is a powerful tool for not just helping society grow, but also helping individuals find themselves, especially if they grow up in an area where I don't have a whole lot of other queer people around me, but I do have Netflix. You know, I do have access to YouTube. I have access to these types of things. So I think, um, and actually, I think I, I have an idea of the person who brought up the, 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 the people in Mrs. Doubtfire and why they were a negative a negative type. Of, I have a, I might, I might be wrong, but I, but I'm, I'm thinking of someone that we both know who might have been the person who brought that up. And, uh, and, but I, I disagree entirely. I don't think that they were, were shown in any kind of negative way at all. And they weren't even that heavily stereotyped. You know what I mean? They were, they, they were actually a very normalized couple. So I, I yeah, I agree with you entirely there. There was nothing negative about, the only negative thing you could say is that they were helping him deceive everybody else and maybe that could be seen right. blah, blah 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 but but no so i but I, it was but it was like it was him 
to be fair, like if somebody were to argue that, I would say it was him coming to them. It wasn't yeah, like exactly. They, yeah, they couldn't be seen as the deceptive, you know. No, exactly. You know, so immoral, you know, immoral, you know, gay people because they put this idea in. I said, no, he just said, "Can you make me a woman?" And they're like, "Sure, let's do it." Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Yeah. So, so when I'm. And then what song do they sing? I love it when they're singing. Oh, that matchmaker, song. matchmaker, make matchmaker, me a make match. Me a match. Find yeah, me a find, one. catch me a catch, catch me a catch. And then Robin Williams <laughs> Don't seamlessly goes live. into, yeah. <laughs> just sit Immediate, but, immediately Babs, immediately, then, immediately Barbara. It's not working, I need to grow older. Yeah. Uh, Shelly Winters older Collins? or Shelly McLean older? <laughs> what about John Collins? I don't, I don't think, think I have I the have strength. strength. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's uh, all. <laughs> No, I think uh, if you couldn't tell, I've watched that movie more than five times. <laughs> I think that was such a good example, and I also, you could maybe argue that Robin Williams, to a general audience, might be portraying cross-dressing as some sort of joke. But at the same time, I always felt like Robin Williams did such a good job of he made it funny, but it, he also didn't make it seem like it was just the butt of a joke, you know? Right, and that's yeah. where, like, if you look at those kind, like, there's that <clears throat> very niche genre of, like, the straight man has to be a, a woman, and, and the joke is, usually, like, to do, like, he has to do X and Y to get to Z. And part of that equation is, I have to be a woman, and then it's, like, most of the jokes mm -hmm. are, oh, he's never worn a bra before. How does he put that on? You know, like, like the <laughs> stupid stuff like that. Like, um, what white heterosexual asshole wrote this, or who thought this was a good idea? And what is his <laughs> wife thinking right now? But um, assuming like, he like, has one, <laughs> yeah, assuming he has one, that's true. But when I look at Mrs. Doubtfire, I don't. I see it as it's, it's not about the jokes. I mean, because Rob, that's what made him so great is that he could make a joke out of anything. It wasn't like he really needed a script. He used life as a joke, but. Um, they didn't make the character of Mrs. Doubtfire as a joke. Mrs. Doubtfire was a character that was all in our lives in a sense. We wanted her in our homes. We invited her, you know, to be with us and she wasn't just a stereotype. I mean, it's again, the, the movie had very subtle, subtle moments, but they're, I think they're impactful. There's a moment where he gets off the bus and is walking to his apartment and he goes, if I ever find the misogynistic bastard that invented heels, I'll kill him. You know, <laughs> so it's like, he has sympathy for, he has sympathy for the, like that group of like, for women, you know, or like, you know, whatever. And I, and there's never like a joke made at the dispense of another group of people, whether it be women, trans people, homosexual people, it's more about the situation or the, the goal he has to get. And there's funny things that happen, but it's not at someone's expense. And I do want to say, Kyle, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I agree with you that um, it shouldn't just be our job to allow them, like, it shouldn't be our sole focus to just worry about these people that don't get it. And that we should yeah. have to, other, like, other groups of people should sacrifice their appreciation for these group of people. Um, and I'm glad, to, I'm, what I meant more was just, like, um, the tool, like, what we've seen, hopefully that will you know, work and what I envision, what I think what we all are noticing and what I hope continues is that it is no longer just the the straight white man having to tell the story. And we're seeing other people that are saying, no, this is my story and it's high time I'm heard and I'm gonna tell it my way, AKA the right way, the way th that I only know how to tell it. And that's Absolutely. what I love and what I look forward to seeing more of. Um, but I just wanted to clear that up because um, I was just using, I was like, well, it's like a, as a silver lining. Like this is something like we can take some good out of this. And I, I'll be honest, a lot of the time, because I come from Wassa, it is very small. Um, and I don't want to say small minded, but it, I grew up very like conservative, very not a whole lot of Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of nuts in that uh trail mix you know it wasn't trail mix it was just <laughs> cheerios but um you know like but um <laughs> what i noticed in the past five or ten years is that we're starting to evolve it's kind of like if you looked at 
a, a flower and it's been closed the whole time and I'm just starting to see it open up a little bit and I cannot wait until we we get to see the full bloom but it takes time and especially like when you when you aren't when you aren't able to when you aren't in a place that has more familiarity with diversity and mm -hmm. other other religions other types of people and all you know is just oh it's just this so this must be how life is and then you're like whoa what's what's all going on out there and you know so i i look at that's what i meant like it, we can use that as a as a tool but we should not allow it should not be the norm absolutely not yeah and i um, wasn't saying that that's what you were saying at all it's just we didn't sure, put that sure. in there and we needed to make yeah. that statement because oh, I'm yeah I'm yeah because 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 yeah it's it's so important right now that we hold everybody accountable like and and that's what's happening right now like People are probably, if, if we ever get more than five listeners, people hold us accountable for things that we say, you know, and that should happen because, you know, we're, we're, we're putting it out there for people to say, hey, I like that, or hey, I don't because of this, this, and this, and particularly if it's a marginalized group, I feel like we all agree. We know that we need to listen, but it's, um, it's, it's getting harder and harder. I'm actually in what is uh, about to become possibly a Facebook war with somebody I don't know. Um, <laughs> because they commented on one of my roommate's posts and she was doing oh, no. nothing but asking asinine rhetorical questions and not actually reading all of the all of the evidence and all the resources that were getting put underneath this article. Like, hey, here are other things you could do to educate yourself. And she just kept coming back with these same bullshit questions like, oh, well, how do you like it now that your city is burned to the ground? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just Whoa. like, yeah, I was, I was finally like, listen, you're doing nothing. And I actually took, took that directly from my own quote. You're doing nothing but, but asking asinine rhetorical questions. How about you take the time to educate yourself, actually read the resources at your discretion here, at your, at, at, you know, at, at your fingertips. Use the technology that you're using right now for evil, for something worthwhile, and actually work to expand your, your worldview. Because I was just like, I'm fed the fuck up. I'm done. Like, and it's funny. I don't know her. Like, I don't know who she is. I've never, <laughs> I've never met her. Um, but she's an older woman from, from my roommate's hometown. And um, she, can, um, she can get off the internet forever and stop voting for all I care. You know, because some people just need to be told. Uh, uh, you just reminded me, Kyle. I have fantastic news and I have to share it with the please! world. Thank you for bringing this point up. Oh my God, guys, this is breaking news. I don't know if anybody else knows this, but I'm gonna tell you right now and all our five viewers, you need to hear this too. If you didn't know, you don't have to worry about COVID for much longer because wow. Eric Beep said that it's gonna end in November because once the elections are over and Beep gets the second term, that'll teach those liberals to fuck with him again. It's all just a big political ploy. So, oh my God, thank God. If you are tired of wearing a mask, if you don't want to social distance anymore, Karen, it's going to be okay because we're almost there. It's just November. And trust me, Eric Beep. said so. And it was on J Judge Janine Pirro's show. And I know that that's not fake news at all. So I was just so elated. I had to share that with somebody. And what better place to share it than this podcast. Guys, it's almost over. We're so excited. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so, so freaking excited. Ah. Uh. And I so think that's the perfect there. time to take a break. <laughs> so we'll, be right, we'll be right back in a few moments. We interrupt this podcast for a brief announcement. It's pandemonium in the streets. There's a new horror looking around every corner. COVID-19, murder hornets, racial inequality, police brutality, white men, and more Karens bitching about minuscule changes to their already privileged lives than you could ever imagine. In other words, 2020 is downright terrifying. It's dreadful. It's sickening. It's a pain in America's irrefutably hypocritical ass. But someone's got to do something. And so, with four shots of alcohol coursing through his blood and a strong constitution, Cody summons his unicorn of justice, Moonflower, and together they rise 
ride off to fight for equality, unity, and love for all. But one flaming Puerto Rican with a lust in his loins for Leonardo DiCaprio can't do it alone. That's why we at Steer Queer are asking for you to get involved. You don't need a unicorn of justice to make a difference, though if you do have one, that's pretty damn awesome. Remember, it's the smallest things that have the biggest impact. Volunteer your time, make donations to your local charities, stand in front of ignorant assholes waving your finger and saying naughty naughty, and boogie on down to your local government office and make your voice be heard. And for Christ's sakes, wear a fucking mask. It's not that complicated. Remember, we're all in this together, so don't be an asshole and make a difference today. I'm recording in this chair, and when I come back, how do I flip up? Look, what's oh. under the chair? Can oh, you see? It's who's a, under it's the a, chair? It's, oh a, it's a furry butt. Oh, you Hello. got a furry butt. <laughs> You got the oh, thank you. Okay, see. It was sandwich. Mrs. Sandwich. <laughs> the, oh, I thought it was the monster that was in your attic. <laughs> oh. No. He's dead and I killed him. <laughs> He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. <laughs> oh my god no what is that i love it when karen goes i want to kick him till he's dead <laughs> <laughs> that's how i feel about most people in the news right now oh my god i know <laughs> the whole fucking redacted administration um <laughs> by the, by the yeah. way i'm going to edit a sound in every time we say his name now i'm going to figure out how to do it mm. I, I don't know how i know i know you can create silence and then add a sound effect in the silence so i'm going to figure out how to do that because i've been wanting to do it because i think it, it'll be funny and i might do a different sound mm. effect for different members of the trump family <laughs> yeah oh gross they, i hope we don't talk about okay. them too often <laughs> no it's fine um <clears throat> my goodness well, are we all back i think so we are we're all we're all back cody are you gonna do another shot or are you just gonna have it as a beverine no let's let's suck it down cheers right. cheers. <laughs> cheers cody i'm worried about you <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I just saw Cody spit out um, what was an, an orange, but looked like he was spitting his entire shot back into the glass, uh, <laughs> which, was, which was a moment uh, where I was like, did Austin make him laugh that hard? <laughs> just so funny. Uh, no, it's, it's when Austin goes, Cody, I'm worried about you. And then all my insights come out. <laughs> just <laughs> Speaking of Mama Shim, Mama Shim Sham, I have a question for you. Out of Tell all me. of the things that you and I per in particular watched when we were in high school, because I feel like you introduced me to a lot of my favorite queer cinema. What was one of your favorites? What was the one that you were just like, you fell in love with it immediately. And I know this is hard because you fell in love with all of them immediately. But which was, I but what was it the one? <laughs> I have a large collection of movies. I think I said it before, you know, I would go to Blockbuster and just, there were lots of queer movies spackled throughout Blockbuster. And you just, you had to know how to find them. They had Absolutely. French names or they had a boy <laughs> who was too pretty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that was usually honestly, it. my my favorite movie from that time period of my life is short bus yes. and it's because i don't even know how i found out about short bus but it was at best buy you guys it was there and if you've ever seen short bus it's quite um i i want to call it pornographic to be funny but it's not porn it's no, it's it, not. It's artistic, and it really is artistic, but I laugh because I just think of shows where they're like, it's not porn, it's art. Um, <laughs> it's not murder, my, it's oh avant-garde. <laughs> but my favorite, that was because that show unapologetically talks about queer people and queer sexuality and complicated um queer relationships things like opening up the relationship um they talk about uh one of the main storylines is a woman who um is having trouble orgasming and i think that's a real issue for some people and 
Um, yeah, I think the show is largely white people again, even though one of the leads is a person of color, but that doesn't uh, exempt the show from being overtly white. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. But at the time, it was the biggest, uh, you know, there were naked people, there were orgies. It was just such a wonderful time. Well, and, and the, <laughs> the, the, the relationships were also, it was, it was beautiful because it also explored the idea that like sexuality and gender are not fixed, they're fluid. And um, that main character that you were talking about, who, who can't have an orgasm, um, who's never had one, um, ends up having a three-way with a man and a woman at the end of the movie and ends up having an orgasm during that moment. So not only does she open up her relationship, she's married to a man, but she also has this, throughout the movie, there's like two instances before it happens where she sees this one particular woman across the room. She keeps locking eyes with her. So she considers herself a straight woman but then this happens at the end. So it also kind of explores this whole idea that like sexuality is rarely fixed and these things happen on a spectrum and you know, you don't always fall, well, you don't, you don't always, you, you don't necessarily fall in love with, with what someone has between their legs, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I just loved the movie for that reason too, because uh, I also, Cody, grew up very religious. And whenever uh, I watched that movie at my parents' house, I had to desperately, dart my eyes back and forth to the staircase just to make sure no one was coming downstairs because oh, I inevitably. remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> more, oh my God. Like for me, it was when it was like summer break and mom was at work and, you know, I knew what hours, like, I, but it wouldn't fail. Like at 1.30, did I hear the door? <laughs> Wait, someone coming? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always prepared for it. Huh? Like, you know. Can you give us an example of something you were watching? It's gonna sound so pathetic, but um, um, and I don't really open up about this, but I'll, I'll open up a little bit. Um, Disney movies. Yeah, we've talked about um, that when before. I was, yeah, when so I don't know if Austin knows this, but and I rarely talk about this, but when I was a wee lad and I was grow, I was born and raised in a church and. Uh, the pastor and his wife took my mom aside with me in the room. Okay, first mistake right there. Um, mm -hmm. You should not bring a child into a room for like a adult discussion. They basically said, um, we believe that Cody has too sensitive of a spirit. And if you let him have anything to do with, essentially it was like magic. Um, it, it's going to corrupt him and he's too sensitive. So you need to take everything away from him. And, and what that equated to was he can't have anything Disney. And Disney for me was imagination. It was, uh, it was, it was, I guess I loved it at the time. I mean, I grew up with all of that. Um, so I'm this little six, seven year old. No one's explaining anything to me. And my mom just kind of went along with it. And so removed, you know, all my childhood. And that's where it started. Um, and then it, it, it carried into anything that had adult jokes in it. So for a while, Mrs. Doubtfire wasn't allowed. And I, that was like the first movie I ever saw when I was three years old. And then it's like, well, wait, it was okay then. Why is it not okay now? Now you're taking this thing away from me. Now I'm very confused because we were okay with it. Now we're not okay with it. You know, then it was like anything that we grew up with in the 90s. That's why I always make the joke that I'm so oblivious because I really was. I didn't know what was going on with like right. Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and NSYNC and those are probably the ones that nobody was listening to but that's the one I remember. Or like, you know, Buffy or Power Rangers or like anything that has violence in it, that has magic in it, that has sexual connotations. That's that's immoral. That's, it. that's you know, where it's like very like, there are strict, rigid rules, but a lot of the time it was targeted towards me. And so I mm -hmm. saw other kids, they were allowed to do that. And it always bothered me why, what makes me so quote unquote special and no one's telling me. So the way I dealt with that was I did it on my own terms. I would mm -hmm. watch things when I wanted to, but I had to do it in secret. And I learned how to access the internet and I learned how to like, you know, oh, can you get this movie for me? <laughs> you know, um, so that was my, Disney was like the first 
that opened up imagination for me and that was taken away. So I really had to deal with that on my own because I kind of taught, I, I taught myself at a very young age, no one's really going to stand up for you. So you have to, you have to take care of yourself on your own. And that meant you can't ask anybody for help because you can't, nobody can yeah, be trusted. That would have been really hard. And that, and that reminds me of too, how, you know, definitely where you're coming from was, probably more drastic than a lot of people but to all of us queer people on some level we quickly learned what was accepted and what wasn't and there this whole feeling of we all were exposed to things that we wanted more of but learned we couldn't and then we learned to just like it in secret yeah. you know I definitely did that and then that, and that makes this closet, so-called closet that we're in, it's full of a lot of things, you know? It's full of, it might be full of the music you like or the movies you liked, or, you know, it, it wasn't just your sexuality. It was a lot of things that, that you throw into this closet. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and some it's of it your is identity. the, yeah. And, and, and the things that, that build those up are sometimes the things that we did in secret or the things that we were like, I know that people won't understand why I'm doing this, or I will get in trouble for doing this because I can definitely relate to you on that one, Cody, uh, especially with the, Oh, my parents are not going to like this, or I'm going to be grounded forever for doing this because that could happen in my household you know like it's it's those things and, that that we let me yeah um, <laughs> i just wanted to clarify real quickly um i i want to just make it clear to the i don't blame wendy my mother who's you know america's sweetheart I, and she did it out of love for me and she realized what an impact it had on me before so i don't hold any resentment to that but i do want to what I do want to point out when we talked about allyship, as trivial as it sounds, not being allowed to watch something like a Disney movie, it is a it is an example of the littlest thing can have the biggest impact. And it's really important that you you don't let anyone else tell you how to live your life or how they should live their life. And if you if you if even if it if there's that sense in your gut that you're questioning it, go with that gut and stand up for that person no matter no matter what the issue is. Yes, I, I can't explain it because it sounds so trivial oh you didn't and i've had people say oh you didn't get to watch the movie you didn't want to watch like too bad but as a as a kid with no explanation that was devastating and that totally triggered me in a way where i i just thought i can't trust anybody especially like you know the person that you know <laughs> that raised me you know so um it's the littlest thing though it's really important for allies out there if you're listening really you got to support you got to support these these individuals as they go through their journey because they shouldn't the, the closet should not exist they shouldn't have to keep everything we sh we should have never had to keep everything in secret um no matter what it was not just who we liked i mean no matter what because that's our identity and that's what made us special and that's what should be appreciated yeah right on so this episode did not necessarily go the direction I thought it would, but I like that. And I'm very appreciative of that because we have some really good stuff to work with here. I think this is a conversation that we can have multiple times because yeah. it's very nuanced. And mm -hmm. um, we got very focused on, on very specific things tonight. And I really appreciate that because it gave us a lot of jumping off points. But we didn't really get into the meat of things. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's almost 10. Um, so we're about, oh, yeah, we're, we're going on having over an hour and 40 minutes worth of, of material just within the actual time that we were spending just actually talking about the topic. Um, so, so I'm like, we should probably uh, move, move towards ending and maybe just put a pin in it and say, like, this is a topic we can talk about endlessly and probably will in mm -hmm. the future and, and continue to talk about things that way. I don't know how you guys are feeling about that, but that's I agree. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing, like, and a lot of it I, I take responsibility for because I feel like I kind of took over the episode, so I apologize. But I felt that too, like, yeah, I, I don't think this is where we wanted to go, but it's going there and I feel like it's going well, so let's just keep going. Your name is <laughs> Cody we'll Wesna and you had it. something to say. <laughs> yeah, right. So, sorry, that <laughs> was a Jasmine Matter. pissed off at James Cameron. 
<laughs> what do I have to say? Fucker. Fuck you, James Cameron. That's all I have to say. That's that's the long and short. Oh, of it. did Harvey Weinstein <laughs> produce your film? Uh. Oh, fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was it so. funded by Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, oh, no. Have you watched it yet? <laughs> have you watched it yet? The, the, uh, the four ne- part, yeah, the four part series on Netflix. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm you not have ready for it. Do it. You have but, to. But and just know. They just, yeah, they just arrested Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, they did. God. That fucking bitch. Oh, she's almost I saw that. I saw that him. on a BBC News, and then I I had the article up, but then I never read it. So, um, but I, what was she like? His the was his girlfriend, fiance? What was she? Not even really she, that. Well, she yeah she was presented as Jeffrey Epstein's partner um mm-hmm. okay but but she lured girls she threatened them one woman she chased out of New York yep like oh my god she was she she's was part the, of his grooming squad like she was the one the who power brought hungry, in. she's a power hungry bitch Oh yeah, Ooh. the documentary tried to make you feel bad for her for about two seconds about like her her upbringing and everything else and the way that her dad died and then turned on a dime on her immediately and was like, but here's why that's <laughs> bullshit. It was beautiful. I was like, this, it's one of the best <laughs> best made documentaries about something so horrible I've ever seen. Like it's- Yeah, okay. I never uh, once- It's in I my never queue. once felt bad for her. I felt like they were more just trying to give you an idea that she came from power She's always had power. She wants you to know she's powerful. No, there was there was one moment where they talked about the way that that her dad died and and everything else that that, that happened. There was this moment where they were like setting you up to feel bad for her, but then never went that direction. It was like it, it was yeah. like this passive aggressive misdirection, like and oh poor little rich girl, fuck her was was, was basically yeah. the, the tone. No, it, like you don't actually feel bad for her. She's awful, but Mm-mm. and she's in jail mm-hmm. and she'll rot there. As long as she has to face all of her accusers in court before it happens. Yeah. And also Right, that's the that's the that's the issue I take is when it's like, well, they're gonna go on their terms. It's like I don't really care about the person, I care about the people that did right. the lives that were damaged and they're not Yeah. They don't get that. I mean, it's not for me to say this is what you need to heal, but I feel like they, they that's a moment they'll never get back, and that's really unfortunate. And yeah, the other reason you should watch it. it, yeah, no, exactly. And and the reason you should watch it is because it focuses a lot on the survivors, the survivors who wanted to come forward. They get to have their say, they okay. get to have their moment. Um, and the episodes do do talk a lot, obviously, about Jeffrey Epstein and a lot about him, but it also deals with them, and they all. Well, sure. They they all get a substantial amount of time to tell their story within the sm- the confines of the small mm-hmm. amount of time they had to tell this very complex convoluted story. It's bananas. Yeah. But also it is. It, it, it also lets over years. Okay, mm-hmm. we should find a way to put a cap on this <laughs> so that we actually don't forget yeah, to put an say, ending. Yeah, we want to like. <laughs> Close the episode, or are we doing a two-week yeah. continue? Um, so, 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 I, what I was thinking, um, well, actually, how, how about I just uh, jump into it? Um, okay. So, we could honestly talk about uh, this type of a topic multiple times over uh, several episodes. So, I'm wondering if uh, we should just put a pin in this one for the evening. How are we feeling? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that sounds good. And just to end cap this, you know. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, representation and stories. So I just wanted to quickly say that um, one mistake I think a lot of white people made throughout the years is that um, in order to highlight uh, people of color, uh, white directors thought, okay, I'll include people of color characters in my stories. And I think what we're learning is that we need to embrace and help people of color um, direct and be in positions of power and tell their own stories that way, not tell the stories for them. So I just want to add that in there because I think that's, you know, I think we're all evolving as white people and how we can be good allies. And I, I see that a lot now is white people taking a step back and allowing um 
and and being like, okay, you need to direct, you need to produce, we need to stop hogging all the power. So absolutely, yeah. Sometimes being an ally isn't isn't speaking for them. Being an ally is standing up and allowing them to speak. Yeah, exactly. And sticking up for them when, right. you know, when uh, and and giving them the platform and also standing behind them and supporting them. Um, because we want everybody to do it for us, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And we want to do it for other people. Um, and that being said, uh, we will continue to post uh, resources and tools and ways that you can continue to get involved. It's very important that we don't lose momentum on this moving forward. So thank you everybody for listening today. We appreciate you, we love you, and as always, Cheers, Cheers, queers! queers. Oh, we're so <laughs> we suck at that. <laughs> I do it flawlessly. I don't know where you are. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Steer Queer. Just a reminder that we are posting resource documents and ways to get involved and donate in the description so we can all continue to learn and grow and be involved. And a reminder to live your best life and be your best self and to always steer it queer. From all of us here, we love you. Thank you for listening.